Well, I'm Phil. And I'm Phil. This is the Phil and Phil show. And tonight we've got um, a really dear friend of mine, Will Lord. Um, we go back a long way, don't we, mate? Yeah, you know, I first came across your work, Will, actually, in 2001, when I was with Thomas Chalkon, and you were going to come and teach us guys flint napping, and something happened, and it didn't, and that didn't happen. It was 19 years ago, wow. Yeah, so, so this is um, Will Lord, for those of you, Gary does and, um, and doesn't, this is going to be on um, YouTube and different platforms, Will, so I'm going to give you a bit of introduction, so Will's recent claim to fame uh, is um he was on the ed stafford show of first man out in china i'm going to ask you about that in a minute will okay. um will's actually a very accomplished um how am i going to describe will apart from being ancient ancient survival skills and looking at ancient technology um was very accomplished in tv he's done work with the time team on channel four with the history of stonehenge He's also made, and correct me if any of this is not true, Will, he's also made props and other equipment and attire for films and movies. Yeah. Um, so apart from the fact that Will's a really lovely man, um, he's, he's taught lots of people and, and he's, he's very highly respected, especially in the world of bushcraft and flint napping. Um, so the main reason why, why I've asked Will to come on was because most of the shows, Phil and I end up talking about nature, connecting with nature, being at one with nature and how nature heals. And I know from, from spending time with, actually, I really became friends with Will at festivals. And I used to have a shop and Will would um, share his talents and skills. And in the evenings when no one was doing flint napping and knife making, Will used to come along and, uh, and talk to me. So we used to hang out while I didn't, you know, and I didn't have many punters at 11 o'clock at night but um it meant that we got time to drink tea chat and um and chew the cud so to speak so that's really where mine and and will's friendship blossomed was at night sat in the sat in my little shop drinking tea and putting the wheels to rights so will tonight i'd really like to um to get to know you more and i know phil's really itching to find out about your journey and what brought you to where you are right now i know for our for our audience and i think for will's audience as well in different ways it's going to be a it's going to be a challenge because will comes from being really connected with nature hunting bows and arrows and using um animals in his work well using animals in his work um how would you describe that will <laughs> well i've got them right next to me um you know i've got you know, if you look at that, that looks like a ball of string, but that's um, a tendon, like that, and um, that's come from within that, and uh, within that, you had that, and um, that's all going to get put together and go around that, which is a flint knife. Oh, wow. That's the, that's one deer's leg that I'm going to be putting together, and... Um, celebrating the concept of putting something from nature together you, so you want to tell us like a little bit about how you became who you are today like what like what inspired you to kind of reconnect with 
the Stone Age will. Like, yeah. Well, I was I was I had a very um, uh, fortunate starting grid, so I was actually brought up by parents that um, were pretty much regarded as hippies, but they weren't hippies. They worked they worked on a um, Neolithic ancient flint monument and um, where people used to dig flint four and a half thousand years ago. So they were the custodians. And I lived in, um, I lived on this site with them. And I had three sisters and we grew up in a huge forest with rivers and a place that's known as Breckland, which is a wonderful, wonderful, uh, gentle piece of nature. It can be as wild and sparse as any nature can be, but on the other hand, it can it can be an ecosphere of nature. So it's just just a wonderful place. And I grew up there, and when we left, uh, thirteen years after we arrived, I was then seventeen, and what I found is the starting grid because I was then seventeen. Um, wouldn't leave. It was there to stay. It was a permanent structure in my life. So I went on to explore archaeology and um, ancient technology and understanding what it took to exist and survive and feel comfortable living in the wild. It's not a straightforward story, though, because we live in the 21st century and to try and ex uh, explain that in a way that actually is comfortable doesn't really fit in our world anymore today. I mean, just for example, right here, what I've got. <laughs> That's um, Homo erectus, right? It's not too, not too different. But that's got strong eyebrows, strong jaw, strong everything. And this little fella lasted for two million years. Wow. Like we've only been here for 120,000 max. This is two million years in one species, right? Um, upright, not too much different to what we would see ourselves. But do you know what? Lived on the planet in a way that we would love to live on the planet, but find it such a, um, an unacceptable platform to ourselves anymore. Because we've got comfortable with all of the um, buffer zones that protect us from nature. It's like, you know, the whole concept of you might get eaten tonight and all that sort of stuff. We don't want to be feeling like that. We don't want to be thinking like that. We love hot water, we love bricks, we love, we love internal structures. Um, and mankind has, has navigated into a comfort point. But what that's done is that stripped mankind as well from a very poignant point of living on the edge of life, which is where we all used to live once. And um, I've been trying to learn about that and I've been trying to understand that and respect that. So um, there's many elements and I could digress and I could take you left and I could take you right. 
and it would get a little confusing if I did that. But so I suppose the best thing to do is to sort of think about it. It's like, what am I going? If I came from a starting grid and I've spent 40 years, you all right? Yeah, I'm, I've, just got, I've just got a question here, Will, from Gary, just to interject at this point. I can't see Gary's questions or anybody else's questions. Um, it says, do you think that we as a species are at a tipping point or will or will it be business as usual going forwards? No, it's not business as usual going forwards. No, there's 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 no, no way. No, no, we don't we, we don't recognise ourselves at the moment. We're going to start. I would like to think we're going to start recognising ourselves from this point forward. Yeah, but we don't recognise ourselves at the moment. No, I, I, you know, I totally get what you're saying, Will, because because from my my growing up and my background, being a gamekeeper's son, gamekeeper's grandson, and and then and into forestry, I'm completely lost because I'm so out of touch with nature, with my surroundings, with people. With the only thing I'm in touch with is the weather because that now affects my job. But apart from that, I'm so out of touch. So yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. And if we're lucky, it's not business business as usual. If you don't mind me saying, I don't think you're as lost as you think you are. <laughs> Thanks, Will. And the reason I would say that is because you're still communicating. Um, and uh, it's the, in the communicating, because that's one of the huge elements of being tribal. And that's one of the huge elements of our progression. We're, none of us are going to do it on our own. We have to do it as a t team and a tribe. Yeah. Um, and... And we've still got that. That's why, you know. Yes. And that's that's also will what this whole nonsense with the coronavirus and everything has taught me. And that's one of the reasons why, with our um, tribe that, that we're gathering, is has been kind of um, brave to step out of the box, because it's about unity. It's not about separation. It's about enjoying each other's differences as opposed to fighting each other and, and creating separation. So it's looking at, you know, what do we have in common? You're, you know, for me, you're one of the humblest, um, honest, authentic people that I know. And that's why I've really invited you on is because of that. Well, that's a beautiful thing for you to say. And Bless you. And I've got fond, and if you don't mind me re um, responding to that, I've got fond memories of our time together. I remember you with your little van on the side of the, side of the field and you're telling me how it was a wonderful thing because you could actually, you'd got this adaptation, which is a H2O system that you'd built onto it. And yeah. You get a sort of like 100 mile an hour of a transit van by putting water into it and stuff. Like that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Situation, you know, it's not well. <laughs> You know, so we all have an effect on each other that lasts for many years. Yeah. And that's wonderful. And isn't it wonderful that we, I'm just talking about me and you, and I know this is sort of like a, a live feed, but isn't it wonderful that we haven't spoke to each other for 20 years, but we've got kindred memories. And anybody that's watching this is going to actually connect him to their own kindling, uh, kindred memories because they're in, special and important. Yeah. And never mind connecting to nature. Sometimes we need to connect to each other. 
yeah you know and that's that's the whole point of this show with phil and i we started off just talking to each other again you know the same as me and you we haven't me and phil haven't really hung out since 2005 and it's just like okay let's just let's just do a show together and then we're going to talk and we're going to invite really interesting people no matter what the background so they can you know so we can talk and share and not get locked in which is what this coronavirus has given us is this we're all locking heads and we want to be right and actually let's just love each other and accept the differences and move forwards well one of the things that i would add into this conversation i suppose that i want to do is make sure i squeeze in some important information is that over that period of time i've done what i was supposed to do and i spent a lot of time instructing being a course instructor and um filling ticking the boxes all that time a bit like what many of us have to do we tick boxes yeah um but then what i was influenced to try and find out was um who i was and why i wanted to do what i wanted to do next and in the progression of that I asked myself, I stripped myself down to the bare naked bones and I had a really good look. And I started to find where I wanted to go. And it doesn't, none of that ever comes quick. Yeah. But it take, you know, it might take five years. It might take longer, particularly if you don't actually know where you want to go. But I did have an idea what I wanted to do. And over the last five years, what I've been doing is I've been unwrapping a progression of myself. And um, now I'm in a position where I'm actually doing what I want to do. And I've found, um, I've found my reason to be alive. Wow. Um, and um, I mean... Obviously, the COVID thing has put a kibosh on that because of what was a lot of my reason was a bit of travelling around the world. It wasn't just about travelling around. It was about travelling to ancient sites and actually meeting ancient entities. And one of the ancient entities that I've just been to meet was a, a Venus called Venus Willendorf. And she's one of the oldest carvings in the world. She's 30,000 years old. Then I went off and I found a rock which I had to drive 160 miles to find um, in the Czech Republic, bring it back to, um, bring it back to uh, Willendorf, try and carve it, and basically try and remember a 30,000-year-old situation. And I've got a, a huge persuasion of these to do, but it gave me a huge compassion for their time that these people were doing this this is called the like the upper paleolithic 30,000 years ago we've we've it's completely different landscape to what we register with now and I've been enjoying that but the next step on the agenda was to ask myself why and um, how I was going to run a course in the future and what was really interesting, because we're talking about connection with nature, right? So if we go back to the connection with nature, 
I think we can all understand that we go into nature, right? And I don't know about you, but I've had a few experiences where you go into nature. I've got mosquito trying to hammer on my ear at the moment. That's <laughs> nature, right? I'm just going to have a little munch on my ear. But you go into nature and you hear about connection all the time. Connection, connection. Everyone's talking about connection. And what it can do is it can make you feel very unconnected. And um, so what do you do about that? Well, I've done several things about it and I've got a few examples of that and I'm not gonna bring all them in because time would pass by too quick. But what I would do is I would move myself forward to the now. Because if I move myself forward to the now, there's lots of infill bits, but the now bit is like, so how do we find a connection with nature right now? Never mind what I did six years ago or four years ago. How do I do it next? Um, and remember what I said, I was talking about running courses. So if I want to run a course, you might come to me for flint napping or you might come to me to learn how to tan a skin. You might come to me to learn how to um, carve a goddess or light a fire or um, make ancient clothing or whatever it might be, right? But at the end of the day, what I have to do to make that possible is I have to do a loads of preparation and bring the preparation to you so that you go home with what you expected to come before. So um, I think of it different now. I, say, I look at it like this. It's like, so you want to learn how to live in nature. Okay, well, I'll take you to nature, right? And I'll let nature teach you. And what that means, right, is that when we walk into nature, the first thing that's going to happen is you are going to come up with a, a little group of questions. It's like, what are we going to read? How are we going to get a fire going? What are we going to sleep in, right? Some basic sort of stuff. It's like, well, I don't have the answer. The answer's in front of you. It's like, but I don't know how to use it. It's like, well, I can lend you a hand. But the problem is, is I'm in the same situation as you. I might not be able to make a fire. I might not be able to cap capture something to eat. And, well, I might have fairly sure I can make a shelter but everything's going downhill so the point is is like if we put ourselves into that situation what happens and this is the point and I love this this is where everything gets scay and where 99% of people go a little bit mad about the situation right it's like, I've got to have fire. I need something to eat. It's like, well, I don't think you're here in sunshine. Nature doesn't think you need a fire. And nature doesn't think you need something to eat. You think you need a fire. Mm -hmm. And you think you need something to eat. But what about you stopping and surrendering and sitting on your sorry ass and watching and listening and smelling. 
and getting into that and getting into such a, a zone where you are actually watching, where now you're watching the flies, you're watching all the bugs, you're smelling smells. Nature is no longer running away from you because you're piercing it with this intention. You've sat down, you've relaxed, you've surrendered, and you've just gone, all right, all right, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop. You know, I don't need this anymore. You know? I don't need that anymore. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to, actually, I might even take my shoes off. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to put my hands on the earth. Then I lean back and I'm going to put my head against the bark on the tree. And I'm close my eyes. I'm going to feel the cold. I'm going to feel the wind blow. I'm going to feel the leaves hit me across the side of the face. And when you open your eyes and you start to wake up, you start finding that nature comes back. And when it's your turn to eat, nature will feed you. Now that's a really, that can be contest that, that if you start thinking about wild cats and wild, <laughs> yes, that can be contested as like a load of hippie shit. I get it. But if you start there, you can grow there. But we haven't even got a starting grid. We're just going there with the heavy guns. And um, I don't think that's the way to go to nature, to find a friend. Because if you really want to survive in nature, you want nature on your side, you need to hear it and know how to hear and how to listen. And, um, and you need to have a heart to it, you know, as you've got. So it's a quite a lecturous point of view. And I'm only putting it that way across because it's the way I think. I'm not trying to tell you anything. It's just the way the last 40 years have taught me to approach nature and it's taught me to now go into a workshop and say, well, excuse me, of course I know how to nap a stone axe. Of course I know how to make arrowheads. I've been making them for 40 years. I know you can't come and sit at my knee and make them straight off. But what we can do is we can go and find another teacher. And the teacher we're actually talking about is nature. And I love that. That's, I suppose that's where I'm coming from. Nature as teacher. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's beautiful, Will. And you know, that's a little bit like when I was training with trackways, and we were doing the wilderness philosophy, is to to shut up and listen. Yeah. Just to be still and be quiet. And um, I mean. I, th I suppose it doesn't matter if you don't get a fire. It doesn't matter if you don't catch something to eat. It matters. What matters is you actually enjoyed being there. Yeah. None of the fundamentals matter. I, mean, I think that the fundamentals come uh, sometime later on. You know. I guess. Yeah, um, goes back to the point you were making earlier. We, Phil and I, have talked a lot about this. Is is nature is outside everybody's comfort zones? I was in the Western world, in our houses, everything's perfect. The food is there for us, and you go into nature, and it's like it's scary, you know. And you feel like, ah, you know. And I, I like that. Just like, okay, you just need to sit on the ground and just listen and be quiet.
but it's it's uncomfortable for people so yeah and it depends on what element you put yourself into it i mean a lot of nature in the, is in the sky a lot of nature is on the land and a lot of nature is in a burrow or it might be in a river and i think one of the things that i would possibly persuade people to consider is sitting in a river because sitting in a river can be a discomfort can you sit into a sit in a river until it's not a discomfort and actually start feeling the rhythms of the water and then start getting the fish coming by you instead of actually approaching the river the same way as we do on top of the land seldom do we burrow and seldom do we go into the sky so we're met by two provisions you know i i always love this uh, term of phrase strangle it mangle it dangle it or tangle it which is sort of like different ways of actually trapping and capturing stuff right but that's all it all comes back down to penetration and it's it's like it's it's dividing ourselves from nature actually cares about us. So the question I'm actually asking is like, we're born on this planet. Does nature give a shit about you? Or is it there to kill you? Good question, isn't it? I guess it depends on how you approach nature, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really does. Or is it either? Nature is just nature. <laughs> Well, that is probably the best, that is probably the answer. Nature is probably nature, right? But we've got different ways of approaching it. And I would probably go there with a sharp eye, but a humble heart. Mm, I <coughs> if I do that, I think I've got, a, I've got a better chance than going out there thinking that the big bulls and britches are going to get me along because it's only going to work for a little while. Yeah, that's, uh, that's one of my favorite things is is whenever I see water or river, I have to get in, and I just and I stay in and get cold, and that that really helps to ground me and connect me, and that's one of my favorite things to do. So, one of the things is fear, you know. It's like when I was um, out in um, when one of the things that happened to me um, when. I was in, um, I've been doing lots of trips, so I'm just connecting up to find out which trip I'm on about. But one particular trip I went, I went into this cave and I slept in deep inside this cave. And I found this little, it was almost like a womb type territory. And I had a sleeping bag with me, right? And I got inside the sleeping bag and I got inside, inside the cave, pulled it all up and there was cave spiders and everything like that um because caves have quite an energy you know caves you think you're just going into a cave you know a cave has an energy and um and i'm laying in there and i'm thinking to myself well, no, I've, I've managed to go to sleep and i woke up and it's a weird thing waking up in the middle of the night in a cave and everything's black and you're in a situation where you're thinking there's a suggestion going on. There's a noise and I can't actually understand what the noise is. And I could hear it and it was, I could hear my name being called. And it was saying, well, 
and it had to say it four times for me to hear it. I said, Will. And I was like, Will. Will. I said, I hear you. What do you want? And it said, where are you? I said, I'm deep inside the womb of the earth in a cave. And it said, well, it feels like you're at home in your bed. And I, I was listening to this. This is a rebound voice. And I said, why? It said, because you're snuggled up inside a sleeping bag. And it says, I want you to do something. I want you to reach out of your sleeping bed and touch me. Mm. And I took my hand out of the sleeping bag and I put it out and you're putting it into the vulnerable landscape and I put it onto the wall of the cave. If you like, covered with spiders, if you want to look at it like that, but it technically wasn't. And as I felt the rock, it reminded me of where I'd made the massive pilgrimage to come to. You came here to get in here, so don't protect yourself from being in here. Be in here, put your hand on me, feel me. And as I did that, then I felt the peace. But up till that point, I was still in my insulation blanket. And sometimes, we don't know how to get out of that insulation blanket. And when we're talking about a connection with nature, well, we're going to find it through. Sometimes in the middle of the night, by reaching out, by hearing a voice inside, deep inside a cave, sometimes through a tiny little piece of bark, which is covered in soup dragon lichen, or which brings out the child in you, you know, speculating why well, such wonderful colour can lay in such a small space or whatever it might be but at the end of the days you know that's, that's yes yeah, tricky isn't it it's never straightforward can't go out there and demand a connection that's the one thing i've learned mm -hmm. you have to find a connection and what I found is the best way to find the connection is by um, by being the child again. And you could say, well, I don't know how to be the child anymore. It's like, just stop doing anything then. And just sit down. Sure enough, sooner or later, something's going to crop up and rouse your interest. But while you go bounding around like we do, because that's what we do in life. We just kind of... It's like, and it, and it doesn't work in nature. So how nature works. Humans work like that. I don't know if that's a, a, a really sort of like um, harsh way of looking at ourselves, but that's how I found it. Yeah, I, th I, th I think we're with that last comment, comment that humans work like that. I don't think humans actually work very well like that at all. <laughs> well, it's humans disconnected from themselves yeah. work like that, yeah. right? Absolutely. We're all disconnected because we're, we're all born into this Western world where we're born into our safe spaces and all of those things where everything's provided on a platter and information's fed through 
the media and the, all this stuff, you know? So yeah, it's a, it's a reconnection to an inner child on many levels. It's beautiful what you're saying. I, I love your sharing. Thank you. Well, I think one of the things that I would sort of stimulate from this point to try and come to a, if I was going to go to a place from here for your audience, what I would like to sort of come to is like, it's all very well looking at me and saying what I've done and how I've got along. Um, I know that Phil wanted to talk to me about the Ed Stafford show and we may still have time to do that. But um, I think more about instead of like Phil, Phil and Will, um, throwing it back to your audience, right? It's beyond the point of nature right at the moment, because a lot of people don't actually have nature. And the reason they don't have nature is because they don't have permission to go on the landscape where nature exists. So what they end up in is they end up in this um, social trap work. And what the social trap work is at the moment, particularly with all the COVID, is like stay at home, stay safe, don't fucking go any near, anywhere near anything or anybody and uh, try and have an existence. So in my, so what I would, I, I have a message on that one really. And what my message is, is like, do you know what? No matter how hard it seems on an everyday level, right? Because people are shooting some shit at the moment because they're all pissed off. And that all gets fundamentally funneled along, right? You know, the last person that you just met that frowned at you and might have sworn at you and maybe wanted to bip his horn at you or whatever, right? Did it because it's just happened to him. So it's just a continuum. And we have to remember, right, that actually, see that person, he's out and having a bad day. He's not a happy guy right at the moment. He's doing his best, but his best isn't enough, right? Do yourself a favour. Be kind and smile at him, right? Because nature and the heart, everything, because we're part of nature, right? Actually, is going to get something positive out of that. So actually add some kindness back, add a little bit of compassion. It takes a bit of a step because actually you're getting hit from this way. You're not having a good day. He's not having a good day. So basically you can just go like that to each other. Actually, no, just go, do you know what, man? Like, God bless you. And actually mean it and be kind. And a little bit of kindness right now is worth its weight in gold. Like it's never been worth its weight in gold before. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, um, that's probably going to be a very valuable connection to yourself before we even try to connect to nature as we go forward. Being kind to each other. Yeah. But anyway, listen. I reckon that's what I've got to say tonight. Um, Phil, did you want to talk about? We've uh, uh, um, got Phil and Phil, but did you? Uh, there might be a couple of questions, but there's, Phil, do you want to talk about China or, or Phil? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I didn't. I, I wrote it in the calendar and 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 I missed it, Will. So and then I I went to have a look the other day and I couldn't find it. Well, I found it, but it was on Prime or something. So yeah, tell us a little bit about your adventure with Ed Stafford in 
shyness. I remember you going and it was, you know, you were really excited and I and I was cheering you on <laughs> silently from this side. And um, basically, mate, I, I met him seven years previous to being invited. And um, he wanted to learn a bit about flint napping, some primitive skills to go out to do his naked and marooned. And then, um, and then I've met him a few times since, and he's always been really lovely and jovial and happy to see me. And then he, he um, wanted to challenge me in China because he wanted somebody, instead of it being a race, somebody taking a few sort of like bushcraft skills into the environment. And um, I'm not really your average bushcraft instructor. So I just went out there and had a right gas. And But basically it was, what a hell of an environment. Only discovered in 2016, oh, 49, wow. 49 sinkholes, the largest cluster of sinkholes in Asia. And um, uh, that which is basically where it's called a cast landscape where the earth collapses as millions of years of water runs through it. So you end up with all this hugely pocketed landscape with all these great big talons of stone rising through the sky, massive bamboo forests, rivers and caves everywhere. And, um, I was, and the whole idea of the show was to get from one destination to the next, but they wanted to put on a bit of a show of some skills on. And there were things to worry about, apparently, like bears, wolves, um, and lots of pit vipers and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and um, you were going to be dropped in here where you had to descend to a 300 foot into a canyon through a bamboo forest, make your way across these rivers and into this uh, karst landscape and down into these sinkholes. <laughs> I thought, well, why not? So, so how many days are you out there for then, Will? Went out there for three weeks. For three weeks? But the trial was over five days. Yeah. Wow. It took it, it took nearly a week to get there because it was so remote. It was in wow. the Bashan region of the Shanik's province of China. So was that outside your comfort zone? Because <laughs> how was that for you? It was outside my comfort zone from the very second i saw the email <laughs> um but, but um i was in a position in my life where i was a bit hurt so I, I was i was desperately hurt and i thought to myself well if it's gonna take you it's gonna take you if it ain't it ain't so i went there and um it was one of them recovery situations really yeah. So I just went there and put my heart and soul into it and it, it was lovely, you know, and I enjoyed it and I learned so much. The Chinese people were beautiful that I met. Um, everything was beautiful. I thought that China was going to be, as a European and an Englishman going into China, it was going to be a catastrophe of like going through all of these different textures of culture. No, you couldn't. I couldn't have been more wrong. They were oh, wow. wonderful. They come up to you. They wanted to hug you. They wanted to touch you. They wanted to shake your hand. Tactile, just, just beautiful. Do you know when it was a bit like tribal cultures? Because where we were, we were so remote. 
they just had never seen Europeans. And it was like a wonderful, absolutely beautiful to see people in such a pristine state. Yeah, they were, I was... <laughs> I was talking to someone about about the African tribes a while ago and, um, you know, and they were saying when you when you go out to certain tribes because they haven't seen you before, their hearts are actually wide open. Oh, they're beautiful. They're really yeah. gorgeous. You know, um, they never stop giving. Um, and and Ed was wonderful as well. So it was a win win situation, basically. Um, and I came back and then it just stimulated my next journey and then I was off to Spain and I was going around and I was climbing around all these wonderful mountains and I was going down into um, ancient caves where that had been painted 40,000 years ago and I've just been cracking off and that's what I've been doing. I've been wandering through ancient lands, actually getting myself away from modern people quite a lot over the last year. Wow. And literally walking deep into mountains, going deep into caves, sleeping in caves, following rivers, fishing, doing stuff that I think has got the Zen DNA of like being alive. And I've been using the whole world to do it. And now I, I definitely intend to continue. I was going to Russia in June. Oh, wow. To go to Russia. Um, I was booked to go to Arkansas in in, in June. Um, it's like the world was celebrating the possibility of the journey. And I think sometimes what we have to do is we have to actually get on board of saying, do you know what? I've got a journey. I'm on it. I've invited myself, I've said yes, and I'm on it, and I'm doing this. And yeah. um, it just opened up. All right, excuse me for COVID, if you know what I mean, but hey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that changes a lot of things for a lot of people, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a midlife crisis, mate. But, you know, because of COVID, though, Will, we've started this show. There you go. You know, in spite of COVID... And it's, uh, yeah. and it's going okay? Yeah. Yeah, we just keep showing up every Sunday. Either we sit here and chat with each other or we get someone else on to chat with. Um, and we just keep plugging away. You know, we we put it live on live on um, Zoom. We record it. It's live on Facebook. Then we put it onto different... I, I got us an account on Anchor and then Phil sent them some of our work. And now Anchor distributes it on about seven platforms, Phil. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant, mate. So just you know, we still don't really know what we're doing, but I went and bought I went and bought a big fancy uh microphone <laughs> because my my speech when I listened back to the recording wasn't very clear. Yeah. And I keep messing around with different lights to try and get my lighting better. I just get a table lamp and change the bulbs and stick a bit of cloth over it and just to try and get the lighting a bit better. And that's just so yeah, we just Make it up as we go along, Will, really. <laughs> anyway, should we call it at this point tonight? Yeah, that's about Will. Just make a little comment here. I just, I really like what you, you know, what you say about like going out there and being with people and, and that and that kindness and what 
COVID has done is, is kind of really put a highlight on where Western society is uh, of being in our heads and disconnected from our hearts. And it's more so that people are all in their heads, uh, left brain thinking, attacking each other. But when you go out and you like look at somebody in the eyes, like that's the most important thing is kindness, you know, and just, and just love. And you're just like, oh, and when we're not on our screens, people attacking each other and you just go and be with people, like, that's when the heart opens. But if we just, we've been more and more isolated, but when we start connecting with people, they're just the same as us, you know, they've got big hearts and they're trying to find their way. And, and if they're angry, like you say, or they're just, they've lost that connection with themselves and that's why they're angry. So they're trying to rekindle that fire and reconnect. So we have to be kind to them. Yeah. I've had three spontaneous things that have happened. Bad news. That doesn't mean I didn't set out that day to try and do well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Will, thank you very much. Um, I've really appreciated your company. It's been great. Um, lovely to see you. It's been lovely to meet you, Phil, as well. Yeah, I can't wait to meet you in person. <laughs> and I've seen Gary in the background, so God bless to Gary. And I can see Annie and Nicola, so I can't see anybody else because that's all that my uh, top channel will show me. So thanks to the viewers for coming in and um i hope you found it interesting and um all the best i'll leave it down to you guys to share some links if you want to and um, oh yeah where yeah where can people find you will well the best thing for uh, to say is that um i'm on i call myself will lord prehistoric survival and that's available on instagram youtube and facebook so there's three channels that you can find me on. And just, it's a kind of will underscore lord underscore prehistoric underscore survival. And um, you'll find me there. And uh, I've got a lot of videos on YouTube. Um, I put out some content on Instagram and content on the page. So hopefully, you know, um, if you found it interesting here tonight, then you'll find it interesting there. I love to be a bit of a burk because I think we all need to laugh, you know? I got to 50 and I survived, so I can laugh from here on all the way home. <laughs> intend to. <laughs> nice one, Will. We'll catch up sometime in person. I look forward to it. God bless you. Oh, thank, thank you, brother. Thanks to you, Tim. Thanks for everybody else that has been watching. All right. Thank you, Will. Well, guys, thanks for watching. Um, Gary, I hope you found that useful. You've asked a few questions, which is great. If any of you, if you, if any of you on here now have got any questions for me and Phil, um, fire away. I tell you what, I'll take you off your mics for a minute, and let's just have a little. Um, do you guys want to? Do you guys want to unmute in case you've got any questions you want to ask us? See if anyone's going to unmute then, Phil. That was a great show. I love that. I love Will. What a beautiful man. What a beautiful man, right? Yeah. And like you say, he really didn't need to say much, but it was just like everything we've been kind of saying and, and coming to and like we keep cycling back around to this same thing. And, and I like what he said about like we're not trying to you don't try and try and reconnect with nature. And it's like that, that thing we've been saying is we just be like we just go out there and go, OK, we're going to figure this out and it's going to be uncomfortable and um yeah 
so it just makes you really think and kind of okay we're going to come into our hearts and just the things he said about being kind yeah beautiful man thank you for inviting him yeah do you see what i mean mm -hmm. so i'm just for, for there's any annie and gary left watching so if you want to unmute and come and say hello and meet us that would be really lovely <clears throat> they said they're good they said gary said no i'm good and uh nicholas said, said thanks so okay cool well gary thanks for watching i really appreciate that i hope uh my feedback to you was useful uh when you said uh why do we build those insulation blankets um and i've put because they give us a deception of safety and comfort which is kind of what will was saying about being in a cave you know what we what we are doing is unbeknownst to ourselves is we're actually through the insulation we call we create isolation and you know that's what that's what we're all doing we do it with our diet with our thoughts with our environment um you know this is what this is what at this moment in time in our human evolution this is what we do yep bye Anne. thank thanks, you thanks annie oh she's gone all right so um well this this has been uh, i'm phil and i'm phil this has been uh, another episode of the phil and phil show and you can uh, check our website out, philandphil.com, to connect to our different social media options. And if you want to make a little donation to support our work, you can do. Um, we are, we're evolving with you. We are, really appreciate this opportunity to share our hearts and our thoughts and ideas. Um, so, yeah, thank you. Thanks for watching, guys. Really appreciate your time, whether you're uh, in the now or in the future. Thanks for watching. Um, yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much. We love you all. It's, uh, it's a real pleasure and honor to be able to bring ourselves and friends to you and share this connection. And it's